you. And now, about to witness the awesome crushing uh, might of the Eugene S. Robinson Show Welcome, my friends, to a show that seemingly never sort of ends. Made the baby cry. It is one, one, a nine, one. You just have a showstopper. Our Thanksgiving special. We need something special after last night's UFC fight night, Tate Vieira. It's not, it's not their fault necessarily, but we got a lot of thanks, a lot of thanks to give. The new Sex W Eugene is up today, Substack. But first, Stigmata will sing us in like they have since 2007. Stigmata, Calling of the Just, song's intro, All of Nothing, still available from Revelation Records. In Huntington Beach, California, where they shoot you to death in a nightclub, hit your car with a hammer, and run your mayor pro tem out of town. But first, let's let Bob Riley sing it. Sing it, Bob. Sing it. But I could not see so clear. I'm taking a real good look at you. Real good look at your face. So being paid back and for always nothing. Yeah, okay, that's enough of that. You know, someday you might be compelled to 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 uh, to uh, hear the song its entirety. Uh, <laughs> And then that's the case why we give you Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where, you know, they hit your car with a hammer. You have to be a long-time listener to the show to remember that. Talking about my first time to go to HB. Some guys pull up. We're lost. Hey, these guys look like punk rockers. Let's ask them where the show is. Hey, you guys. Next thing we know, they're hanging out of the car with hammers trying to hit our Ford Pinto. We drove around in a Pinto station wagon. Sky blue. Yeah, baby. <laughs> That's exactly right. Anyway, this is round, uh, round, uh, I'm sorry, not round anymore. Version 191. Yes, Rob's a showstopper. We'll keep the commercials increasingly short since I am now amongst the unemployed. It has no bearing on whether you give to the show, though. Now, honest to God, you know, I'm taking money out of the kid's mouth to entertain you on a Sunday, but whatever. The point is, Pinko95014. Pinko95014 at yahoo.com is a Patreon address. Eugene Robinson 28 is either Venmo or Cash App. I can't remember. Patreon. Oh my God, where are we now? Okay, patreon.com. I got to upload it so they get paid on patreon.com slash the stomper. If you just want to put the credit card there, just say give them a dollar a month. That works too. And uh, good from the good news department, you could do it like uh, Tommy LB does. Tommy Pounds, Tommy Pounds sends it cash on the barrelhead in an envelope. Uh, and uh, guys, honest to God, I appreciate it. And this, I'm working my way through this book that he's given me on karate and just see how, you know, keep toss, what kind of stuff is adapted to the modern mixed uh, marshalling of arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then I got this, which I'm going to have a little moment, a little moment of fun here. It's not often that you get these things where it's not a uh, what is this stuff on my face? Uh, 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 an offer to subscribe, 
And look what I got here in the mail. Well, I had, I, of course, I immediately cashed it. Look at that. Look at that, huh? Look at uh, those mooks. Look at them. They just spent 49 cents to send me a letter from Norfolk, Virginia. New York Times Company paid. Paid. You know, when I was eight years old, I used to send query letters out to Esquire, and they'd reject me. And I understood. Eight years old. All right. Eight years old. Rejected. But now I've written for GQ. I've written for New York Times. Man. It took 40 years, but what am I talking about? 51 years, but damn, it feels good to see people up on it. They got the vapors. Anyway, this is the show that we're going to, uh, uh, we're choosing to give thanks for. And as usual, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm going to catch you up with right where I am right now. The part problem is I just had an orange. And of course, the strings of the orange get in my teeth, and I didn't have a chance to floss, uh, floss before the show. I know my mother watches the show because she gives me uh, uh, tooth care uh, advice. So Ma, this stuff in my teeth, just because I had the orange, you know, I had the orange, I just ate the orange five seconds before the show started. I didn't want to make it go any later. So sorry for the, the mung, the orange mung, but at least it's that, right? It's not yesterday's hamburger or some crap like that. So anyway, I want to, uh, now, now it's bothering me. Yeah, I got it. So um, so anyway, let's, let's, let's bring you up to, to where we are presently in time. And and um, and if you've read the if you've read the Substack, which this is sometimes a rejoinder to the Substack, you you kind of have a, a sense of where we are. And, but for those of you who haven't gotten around to reading it, or will read it later, I don't want to cheat it. But let let me let me explain to you let me explain to you um, where we started and and how we kind of got here. Um, there's nothing like much like Colonel Kurtz, you know, detesting the stench of lies. There's nothing. Uh, there's something that's always bothered me. Yeah, we're going to talk about that right now, Mister. Is there's something that's always bothered me about um, fear, and and the funny thing is, I, I got to tell you, honest to God, my there's certain types of fear. Like certain types of fear, you'll hear me use the bear in the cave analogy quite often. Quite often, you'll hear me use that analogy very specifically. Quite often, why? Well. It makes sense to, to it makes sense to be concerned about bears. If you've ever seen a grizzly bear run at full tilt, you know it makes a lot of good sense. Or climb a tree, or do anything, or swim. You 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 have a pretty good understanding of the fact that you know your best chance of surviving a bear attack is you're avoiding a bear, right? So I'll use that analogy, and, and it makes perfectly good sense for me to be concerned about bears. In fact, that was my first major life terror, was there was a bear under my bed. And I'd stand up on the bed and jump into the middle of the room as far as possible before I went to the toilet in the middle of the night when I was like four years old. In fact, I went to the hospital because I had a hernia at four years old from jumping off of furniture, right? So a uh, so it makes sense to be, but there's certain things, certain types of fear, and it's usually collective fear, personal fear, fine. Collective fear has always bothered me. Yeah, black bears are very different, um, and it depends on the time of the season as well. And these are the things that you learn when you're concerned about bears. So it, it, it you know, per, interpersonal personal fear, and I, I remember the first time that. And I've told you this before. Don't Donna Shalala me on my own show. I was on Watson Place in Jamaica, and I turned the corner, and all these little kids were in, a, in, in an animal tizzy over there. Was one guy who was probably we call him today developmentally disabled, but not that much. So he was twelve. These kids were like nine, eight. I was nine, and I was had been hanging out with a bunch of tough Haitians that whole year. We lived in Crown Heights, and. Uh, you know, my understanding was by osmosis and even by blood that you would take a fight, no question. Because then you would have to, it, it's like, it was like leaving the house without pants on. You would have to address that. So this guy is like terrorizing all these little kids. And I'm thinking, guy's a jerk, but he's big. He's bigger than me. And he's like, oh, who wants to fight? I'll fight you. I'll fight you. You, you. And he was sort of being funny. But he was genuinely scaring these little kids, and that's the stink of that, that kind of fear I never liked. So I'll fight you. I'll fight you. 
And I, I fought him. I actually wrestled him to the ground, got him in a yoke, and wrestled him to the ground. It worked. He was as big as he was. I was shocked that when we locked up that he was amazingly weak. I'd start lifting weights when I was nine, so I figured maybe that had something to do with it. But in actual fact, it was a willingness to go. That's different. Somebody, Some people would characterize that as courage or valor. I wouldn't. I just didn't like the smell and the stink of fear. So I open up the, the, the substack talking about uh, my sex ed teacher in high school. And, uh, and she was just getting off on, uh, you know, making teenagers uncomfortable. Keep in mind, by the time I was 14 years old in high school, 15 years old, or I think maybe we were juniors, so 16 years old, I was already a disco dance instructor at New York, New York, and Xenon. I had already lost my virginity. I, uh, I was hanging out with the women who were breaking laws by hanging out with me. Uh, um, I mean, all kinds of degenerate shit had already happened to me, right? Or I, I had participated in. Not huge amounts, but, you know, enough so that I got in the classroom and to see her terrorizing these 15 or 16-year-olds who maybe didn't spend their time like I spent my time, it made my stomach turn. Come on, you kids, are you so talkative? You're so talkative. And I really liked her, but I didn't like this. You're being a bully. I don't like it. So she come on, and nobody has any questions. And I'm like, should I step through this door or should I not step through this door? She goes, Eugene. <laughs> You're going to regret that. I said, yeah, 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 sure. I, I got a question. She goes, oh, 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 oh. okay. She said, I said, uh, you've been talking a lot about uh, contraceptives, like foam contraceptives. Tell me something. Uh, if a woman is using a foam contraceptive, does that affect the quality of does that affect the quality of cunnilingus? She goes, I, I don't know what you mean. I go oral sex. If I'm actually going down on a woman and she's been using a foam contraceptive, will I taste it? Does it have a? Hey, hey. The room got very chilly and quiet, and she blood red, very embarrassed. So I said, I don't, I don't know. And I write the rest of it in the substack. The girls in the classroom who were in the know were like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. You want to go out Friday night? No. Okay, what about Saturday then? No. Okay, what about next Friday or Thursday or next Saturday? No. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Oh, uh, man, isn't that funny? Like the first time you have sex, you go, wow, this is going to be a normal part of my life now. <laughs> and then you wake up. <laughs> and, well, that's the thing about having sex early, you know, at 15. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> it's like getting one good paycheck. You got one good paycheck. We want to buy a TV six months from now. And you can't. You can't. No TV for you. Okay, 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 what about, you know, the thing is, at 16, prostitutes don't even, I, I'm kind of getting far afield, but prostitutes don't even take you seriously. <laughs> and if you want to talk about getting kicked out of strip clubs, strip clubs, it's like, I was a perfect clientele for strip clubs. They were all clip joints of 42nd Street. You go in and they sit down, you want a beer or soda, beer or soda, I said, well, if I ask for a beer, they might check my ID. Of course, my ID. There was a typo on my ID. The guy in Times Square who gave me the ID, 10 bucks, typo in it. I said, it's a typo. And he goes, you got 10 more bucks? Okay. So I said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll take the beer, whatever. It make me seem more adult. He goes, great, $20. The fuck, $20 for a beer? I don't have any $20 for a beer. Frank. <laughs> Frank comes over. Get him the fuck out of here and take your beer with you. Empty your pockets. Empty my pockets. These, 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 these motherfuckers are broke as a joke. That's what he said. That's an actual quote. This motherfucker is broke as a joke. I don't know which, which dude who begged the stripper to have sex with. The stories start to flood my head. That's why I'm writing a novel about it. But 
And so they throw us out in the street, and I got this. I take a sip. It was a worst. Well, I didn't know a lot about beer back then, but that was clearly the worst beer I'd ever had. I was a big drink of Rolling Rock back then. Threw it in the gut- gutter. Yo, <laughs> that, that you're not narrowing it down, Mister Is. I, I got a half a dozen of those stories. Yeah, I need more details. My favorite one involves uh, the bear camp for uh, bear camp for kids guy, but I'm not getting into that now. I'm just talking about the, the column, the sex column, and uh, so uh, it it was uh, it was more that uh, what somebody once said to me: nothing that is human should be strange to me, and uh, and fundamentally, I just have never I have never could call me the kid on the spectrum but I've never felt comfortable with the uncomfortability around sex, right? Never have. Um, and, and as I got older and indulged my, you know, it's like, um, <laughs> you know, it, pretty much it's like at a restaurant. If you want Chateaubriand and you don't ask for Chateaubriand, you will not get Chateaubriand. The waiter's not going to come and go, hmm, he looks like a Chateaubriand type guy. I guess I give him Chateaubriand. Because if Chateaubriand is not what you want, you go, what the fuck are you doing? I don't want the Chateaubriand. So you you speak up. These are just words. And often words of, you know, these thought structures, it's blown my mind that with minor alterations, you know, based on language, locale, and geographies, I can walk into a bar anywhere in the world and induce somebody to hit me just by saying some magical combination of words. Words are incredibly strange and powerful. And yet, they very simply describe that which we desire to do. So my intention was never to start another sex column. My, my intention was never to start the first one, which was when I was at Code Magazine. Now, keep in mind, I worked on Six Feet Under, and it was at Six Feet Under, the magazine in high school that published... A, uh, it published the uh, uh, interview with Al Goldstein and it got kicked off of kicked off a of campus. Ah, uh, nah. Well, there's a there's a stripper friend of mine who got picked up the serial killer. He there wasn't broke. He had tons of money, and she turned him down. But then later took a ride from him, and he took her out to Everglades and tried to murder her. There's that one. There is the guy who's a pizza delivery guy who saved up his money for an entire year to uh, have sex with a friend of mine who was a porn star and 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 the prostitute on the side. And I think that's the one that you're thinking about. Um, and she and she didn't feel bad for him at all. He paid his three thousand dollars, blew his load in about 13 seconds. And then she she psych opt him into uh, into not not using his hour to the fullest of his abilities. Um, so, so, you know, these are word structures that very easily, but there's been this uncomfortability. So look, I'm at code magazine and they say, can you think of something that'll, it'll be character defining, that will be addictive, that people will want to come back to, you know? Um, and, uh, and I said, yeah, some sort of sex call. They said, well, why don't you assign it? And I said, well, let me show you what I'm thinking it'll look like. And so I did this thing and it was fairly I, I have to apologize to if I read back through the old ones. My ex-wife used to complain about it, and it was a little too much me. It was called Ass Huge, and it was a little bit too much me. And the character of me at that time was man on the make. <laughs> yeah, I could understand that would be an uncomfortable fit for a young fa- a father with you know three young kids, <laughs> but it was just a character. It was like a joke, like you know, it's a joke. But I understand it was an uncomfortable fit. So uh, I, I didn't at first. I go, it's a shtick. It's a shtick. It's like a joke. It's like I, I'm a comedy guy. It's a comedy. But I understand it was kind of, must have been a kind of a drag. But a, anyway, so uh, um, so I did that. And it did exactly that. It was sticky as fuck. People loved it. People, celebrities were wanting to, wanting to um, celebrities uh, wanted to hang out with me on the basis of the column because they thought I'd be a hoot to hang out with. And, you know, I'm sort of, I was telling a friend of mine the other day that, that I'm not like really the party guy, you know? I'm not the party guy. 
because I'm a workaholic sort of to a certain extent. It's like, you know who can afford to party? Rich people and prostitutes. You know who can't afford to party? Non-rich people and non-prostitutes. You got to work. How can you relax knowing that you're broke? That which is always my attitude. So, you know, maybe I go to parties in the hope that uh, that I get laid, but I never even found parties useful or, 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 or helpful for getting laid, really. I, I, I can't think of any one single, I mean, I got laid going to the movies by myself. Not once, twice, just going to the movies. Somebody starts talking to you and you're like, bada bing, there. So, you know, so, um, so I started doing it and the celebrities would come. I, and I and tell you, I met the secretary of labor at the time, Alexis Herman. She's the first, first person to be like, Hey, huge. Oh, another reader of the column. So I go, this is, this actually works. And so I did a whole bunch. I went from, uh, um, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I did guy spy from mode magazine, a magazine for plus size women. Um, I did, uh, uh, Avi baby for the, the blueprint, a Jewish newspaper in New York, which ultimately fired me because I crossed the line. You know, they were trying to court the super orthodox and I just, you know, I was not given orthodox advice. Right. And then of course the last and most recently was sex with Eugene for, uh, and it started the same way. Somebody said, we need to do something that's really sticky that I can get a lot of I go, sex columns always work. In my experience now, four times at the Post, from uh, Ask Huge to uh, Guy Spy to Avi Baby to Ask Vinny to Sex with Eugene, these things, uh, they tend to generate a lot of uh, interest, right? And so I did it for Ozzy. Sex with Eugene, which was hilarious because it took folks there months to actually say the name. So are we going to go with get get a lot more sex with Eugene in there? <laughs> and the junior high school kid in my head be like, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, you have a lot more sex with Eugene. <laughs> so, so, um, and, but then I was like, ah, well, no, Ozzy's done. That's done. Ah, I guess that albatross is from around my neck. But questions kept coming in. Questions kept coming in. And I was like, too bad I don't have that column anymore. And now that I realize that I'm um, I'm a, a vice president at a large agency, <laughs> a friend of mine once said to me, all the crazy shit you used to talk about, like, it's coming true. Doesn't that strike you as kind of strange? I was like, yes, it, it actually does. But it just goes to show you that it wasn't that crazy to begin with. Or... <laughs> There's another option, um, but I figured there's no circumstance under which they're gonna want a sex column. And I was like, man, maybe I could offer, you know, maybe I could offer it to somebody like. And I'm thinking of other publications I could. Uh, and then I was like, oh, maybe somebody had a Substack. Maybe there's Substack. Oh, who's got a Substack? Who's a good boy? Who's got the cracker? Eugene's got the cracker. So I said, I'm going to put it on, on, on my, uh, on my Substack, And then I started to think, well, what if they sue me for, I mean, my name is Eugene. You can't own my name. Even though the knack, unfortunately signed a contract. I said, but sex with Eugene. Hmm. Yeah. Or we call that Cassandra, right? Yeah. Making prophecies that nobody pays attention to. So, uh, my name is Eugene, and you, you can't embargo sex. Mm. So, it's the with, right? So, technically, now the column is called Sex W slash Eugene to differentiate it from Sex with Eugene. I was going to say sexy with Eugene, Eugene with sex, uh, sex con Eugenio, uh, uh, sex mit Eugen, uh, <laughs> but I just figured sex W and then, you know, we'll go from there. And these three questions are ones that came to me in the last eight days. If you're one of the people that asked me, two of them came via phone. One came by DM. If you're one of the three people that gave me these questions, excuse me for not telling you 
that I was going to use him before I used him. It was an impulsive last minute decision that I made to rebirth sex W slash Eugene. I did as much as I could uh, to change your names in very clever ways. I hope it doesn't cause you any extended life difficulties. If it does, I would quote the immortal 1972 song, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. And I hope that helps. <laughs> I did have minor controversy with a past uh, uh, substack where one of the people covered his wife is demanding uh, wholesale changes to the article. And I go, were there falsehoods? These were not falsehoods. So it just makes us look bad. I'm like, I don't do PR. Well, then take my name off of the photo uh, credit. Okay. It happens. It happens. So sex with Eugene is back. No schedule. Unlike uh, when it was a part of uh, uh, Ozzy. Um, I'm not going to be bugging you all for questions because you, they come in, I answer, they don't come in, I don't answer. It's not a normal standing feature, just like uh, uh, five easy pieces. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. My next five easy pieces I'm really excited about. You all will be excited about it. need to get legal clearance from the person who did it before. We can all get excited about it and publish it. I'm hoping we get it soon. I'd like to run it this week, but if not, that's fine too. When it happens, it'll be cool. It'll be cool enough that you'll go like, God damn, Eugene, that was cool. So um, so that's how we got that's how we got here. And more specifically, uh, based on the topic of fear at jujitsu this morning, Sunday service, 7 a.m. I heard the kind of scream that nobody who takes jujitsu likes to hear. The high-pitched shriek of real and actual pain. And it's funny. My immediate response was to move faster than most people have ever seen me moved and to head for the exits. <laughs> it was like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be a witness. Whatever's happening behind me, out, out. It's a bear. It's a cave. I'm out. Uh, it turns out the guy is okay. His knee popped and he's okay. He was contemplating continuing the, the role and we all said no. And then the guy who he popped it with was like, come on, Eugene, we're rolling next. I was like, <laughs> the stink of injury is all over you. You murderer, you killer, killer, you murderer. We are not rolling together. I'm 59. Exactly, bro. Since I was already fighting, flight seemed like the best option. <laughs> Fortunately, I didn't find myself outside the gym in the sidewalk going, hope you guys, you guys okay in there? <laughs> uh, you, you, you okay? You, you okay? Okay. Whew. I'm glad you're okay. Otherwise, I'd have to send somebody in to help you. <laughs> I'm not getting near you. Uh so that was that. That was the, the day, and we were gonna do a JJB, but Sarah just got running around to run the next one, and we would have been hard pressed to find anything from UFC Fight Night, Vieira and, and, and Tate that was portable. To, to in other words, if you haven't figured it out, there's a UFC. There's a popular fight, maybe with a popular submission. We pick it up. We, we we refine it, retune it, and do a video about it the next day. That should make sense to you. There was nothing worth doing that last night with. Now, now let me tell you why last night was was a, a sort of hurtful. And if you've been following me on the Twitter machine at Eugene S. Robinson. You'll understand where I'm about to go with this because I've been laying the breadcrumbs all week. Let's go with the most recent breadcrumb. My man, Raging Al Iaquinta. What did I raging out? What did I just tweet about Raging Al Iaquinta? Raging Al Iaquinta does this, uh, some uh, internet talk show and says, it's not even worth it, bro. 
Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler fought a great fight. That shit, not worth it. Not worth it. And I, I used to think of the situationist. I don't know if the situationist, um, you know, situationist, it was like a movement back like in the 60s, but then it was reborn in the 80s. And they, one of the things I remember them militating against most aggressively was uh, a world, a world, a world without work of any kind. All right. A world without work of any kind. And one of the posters was great. It's a woman sitting at a desk. She goes, she says, I, I shall not go. I didn't go to work yesterday. I shall not go to work today. Perhaps I shall not go to work tomorrow for a world of work without any kind. Right. So, um, and, and I, I kind of love their ethos. And one of the things they said, the things, one, another one of the slogans that they had on a poster and a t-shirt or a bumper sticker, the things that we give away in order to work are never returned. And this ties in with the prostitute story that I told that Mr. Is was trying to reference and getting all the facts wrong in case I'll refresh in brief. A friend of mine starred some website. Um, God damn it. Robert. Um, Body Miracle. You can look it up. Body Miracle because it met the it met its end the Al Capone way. And so Robert, his idea was like, what are celebrities doing on their, what are porn celebrities doing on their time off, right? You know, if you're not, and as, especially as the fee for sex scenes dropped, you know, before you get 1500 to $3,000 a pop, depending on what you were willing to do if you're a porn star. And then what happened to the music, the internet, the price started to drop pretty soon, 750 a pop. So he said, no, you're going to use the porn as marketing for your personal appearances. Well, what's a personal appearance? You book yourself a series of shows across America at strip clubs and you take side work via Body Miracle. You call it whatever. You show up at the hotel room. I'll sign your, your DVDs at the time and whatever. You know, in-room signing and whatever. The fee, $3,000 half of which would go to Robert, half of which is kept by the celebrity. The celebrity, porn celebrity, gets $1,500 for an hour worth of work. That is way better than filming on an actual set. The $1,500 was like a day fee, not an hourly fee. So you could roll into town, book four dates in, 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 a, in a, uh, uh, using the movie that you made for a quarter of that price, Using that movie as marketing, you show up in town, bona fide porn star, bitter, 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 shows up, side work, and then in one night you've made not only the money, if you can dance, you would do the strip club, then the side work. You could end up making easily $10,000 a night. Perfect. And it's all anonymous. The most sane people I've met have been prostitutes, sex workers, because what my theory being that what they did is relatively private. Versus strippers, what they do is relatively public. And there's a lot of agita that goes along with squaring yourself with doing stuff public. Porn stars, it's a neither fish nor fowl thing. It's, it's public and abstract, but usually private. So this guy saves up his money. He's a pizza delivery guy, saves up, comes into the hotel room, has sex with her. She, you got to use a condom. He uses a condom. Comes in about li literally one, you know, one um, one one pump chunk. And then he starts to feel bad. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm apologizing the whole. And then, you know, he goes, can I go again? She goes, it's your hour. You can use it any way you like. Uh, but then she decides she doesn't like him. And she starts doing sizes. But most guys, you know, they can't get it up within the, the kind of time period. And I mean, even if you get it up, like with 15 minutes late, is left, is that really enough time? She just talks him down, down, down. Can we talk? You could do that. We could do whatever you want, you know? And uh, and then he goes, well, you know, can you suck me off? And he, she was like, yeah, you have to have a condom on. Though. He's like, <laughs> any case, this pizza delivery guy who saved three thousand dollars for a whole year in tips 
had about 30 seconds of fun. And she goes, from her point of view, it was fucking ridiculous. And I've heard that from a lot of sex workers I know. Could you, could you believe somebody would pay for this? And I was like, yeah, I could believe it. <laughs> I think I could believe it. <laughs> uh, but uh, so my... I'm getting far afield. That was a story that Mr. Is was, was referencing. But um, it, uh, uh, the reality of it is, and this ties in to um, to what I was saying before, it's like that fight, UFC fight night, Vieira and, and, and Tate failed on multiple levels, when Ally Quinta says it's not even worth it, what he's talking about is a 360 degree not even worth it. The damage you incur, the price that you pay, the lifestyle alterations, how you even look, you, you know, I mean, and, and not only that, who you're, you're holding truck with. I mean, listen, you got 50% when you were fucking strangers in hotel rooms. You are not afforded that. It, in, in, in a lot of ways, it profits off of the most vulnerable. I mean, you know, there are not a lot of soccer moms who are saying, hey, I want you, I want you to, my eight-year-old darling son or daughter, I want you to sign up to the local boxing gym. People who are letting their kids go to boxing gym are people who box themselves, who can't afford decent childcare, um, who know that their kid is fighting and use boxing, a codified form of it, as a as a as a as a discipline maker. Look, you're gonna do this anyway. You might as well get good at it, put a framework around it, and who knows, maybe you've got some talent. I know a guy who had a kid and had Olympic aspirations for his kid. And that's why he did it. These are all fine reasons. I snuck in the boys club and my mom, what did you do at the boys club? Ah, you know, use the pool and other stuff. Went there to box. My mother wasn't into, she only angry people fight. I go, yeah, and? <laughs> you don't need to fight. You don't need to be fighting anybody. You could just talk it and now you can't talk. Some people you can't talk to. And it's especially harmful when Endeavor, as they did this past week, released the quarterly report, right? We're coming down to the end of their fiscal year, apparently. It's a publicly traded company at this point. WME, William Morris, one of the biggest agencies. I don't say one. When I say one of them, you think, well, there are 20 big agencies. One of the top five agencies in the world. I would say the top up there with creative artists and there are a few others. Most average people, if they've heard of any, they've heard of William Morris and creative artists, maybe. Billions, billions. Oh, there, there, Mr. JW showed up good. Billions, billions, billions. If Robert was getting billions, I don't know that the women that the porn stars that would have worked with them would have felt like it was that much. It's like, I'm the one getting naked. I'm the one running the risk of jail or disease or murder while you sit in North Carolina and do some computer coding. Fuck you. If I'm going to take all these massive risks, I take I can take them without you. Robert will go, go ahead. It just, it's like, it, this is the only cost center that that was that was pulling in. You should read John Nash's stuff on, on how much Endeavor made, and they made it from the UFC. I mean, it, it, look, it would be one thing. You look at a Mayweather, a great defensive fighter who is richer than God, and it, it doesn't rub me the wrong way. It's like, yeah, oh, makes sense. Makes sense. Now, now, Mia Tate, mom comes back. You think she? I really want to test myself, and I want to push myself. And yeah, and and guess what? You know what? 
It's a volunteer basis now. We can't really pay anybody anymore. You still want to test yourself? Test myself at a gym. Go 24 hours and test myself, do a few laps, some push-ups, go home. So you got to understand when I say that UFC fight night, uh, Vieira Tate was shit. Absolute unmitigated shit. I'm not talking about the fighters. Have you ever been to a bad restaurant? Can you tell me what makes a bad restaurant bad? It's not just the food's bad. Maybe you're cold. Maybe there are weird smells coming from the kitchen. You look down and the carpet's dirty. Maybe the layout of the room is fucked up. The tables are too close together. Maybe there's a sad guy in the, in the corner with a Casio, uh, Casio uh, a keyboard propped up on a table between two salt shakers playing sad versions of songs. And the waiter's too late or too soon. Get your order confused. It's a panoply of things. We have that panoply with the oofsie. It is impossible to ignore. It is not just about cash. So I'm not giving thanks for that. Not giving thanks for that. I mean, uh, uh, and, you know, and, and his character you know, and it's weird, and I'm sorry to make this weird segue. Happy Days, a TV show. I remember this, like in the 70s, this show. And the star of that show was initially Opie. Those will remember him as Opie, also known as Ron Howard. The lovable Opie from the Andy Griffith show was a star of Happy Days, Richie Cunningham as a, as a teenager. But then something happened. The Fonz happened, right. And he now, just now, Ron Howard has talked about it. And he said, you know, this is why I went into production. It's why I started my own company and why I became a director, a famous director, an award-winning director. Because the minute that people figured out that Arthur Fonzarelli's Q rating was high, it became the, it wasn't happy days on happy days. It became the Arthur Fonzarelli show. And a couple of things happened after that. One, they started treating Ron Howard like shit, daring him to quit. Daring him to quit. Yeah, that, yeah that's yeah, that's kind of weird. Um, and then secondarily, it also paved the way for fucking Arthur Fonzarelli to water ski over the shark, giving us the expression jump the shark. You understand what I'm saying? The system, the way the way it's structured, the Baldwin could talk for all he likes. Like, yeah, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. Fuck these chuckleheads who don't like the kind of job I'm doing. Look at that bottom line that you just saw. Billions, billions, I tell you, billions. But you don't see. They were making lots of money off of Arthur Fonzarelli until they weren't. It wasn't so much about giving Ron Howard a fair shake or writing better stuff to Richie Cunningham. It was about understanding that the reason people watched the show, you were like, you maybe you were a Ralph Mouth guy. Maybe you were a Chachi guy. Maybe you were a Joni guy. Maybe you were Arthur Fonzarelli. It's a star system. Chuck Dukowski from Black Flag is the one who got my head right around this. Yeah, exactly. And he didn't have any friends his own age. And Dukowski said, America loves this fucking narrative. The lone wolf. In fact, Michael McKean <laughs> gave La- Laverne on Laverne and Shirley the L <laughs> or took the L off of her thing so he could boo lone wolf instead of one wolf. Or some there was some <laughs> something he had on his red jacket. I you know, I mean these Dukowski said. You know, this guy, this lone guy, this John Wayne character, this figure that comes. And I go, there's something emotionally about that that suits us. Our monotheism predisposes us for this. Singular God versus 
versus a pantheon of gods. Got it. Single God versus a pantheon of gods. Got it. Got it. Got it. It predisposes us to want this. Also, modern society, civilization is discontent. Sigmund Freud, most of us feel alone most of the time, despite the false sense of community given by social media. I don't, or alternatively put, I do not mind. I'm a fairly solitary guy. I have to force myself to be with humans. Do much better in one-on-one situations. But this bald one, this Moses on the Mount thing, all you got to do is make your stockholders happy. That's why I advised everybody to buy one or two shares of stock so you can go to these meetings and stand up at these meetings and demand some sort of, you know, uh, 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 this, is not, this is not wokeness. Demand some sort of corporate accountability. You're ruining the sport for us. I mean, like I said, UFSI as baseball is fine. How many baseball games are there? How many baseball games are there? Right? All right. Well, you know, you can't pay attention. Oh, but it's a general, it's like a temperature. It's a comfortable room to walk into. It's a good average restaurant. Hey, it's Red Lobster. Go on in. Maybe you have a good time. Maybe not, but you don't mind that much. Everybody's getting paid. Everything's in a basic level of decency. And this is not that. And then it's also supposed to keep us out of the mix of a lot of things. We got the, the, the guy, domestic abusers. We got the Durden guy. Go back to China with the Come on, man. You can't control your ship. It's easy to have the fighters be unreliable, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 chemical elements. Because that way they, 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 don't, they don't threaten at all the profit take. This I do not give thanks for. This I do not give thanks for. Well, I'll tell you what I do give thanks for. And a Johnny Boy Journey, 60 days sober, 60 days, and, 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 and Anthony Smith put it, put it really well about Connor accused rapist uh, Connor McNuggets. Who are your people now? Only people you cared about are the people you made fun of left behind. <laughs> I can't I can't say that. But yeah, it ends up being the case, sort of, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of it sort of ended up being the case. I, I don't I don't I don't know what to tell you. I, I'm not long for the sport. That 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 much is for sure. Eddie Goldman was out years ago. When I was doing the fight book in 2007, he's kind of sort of stopped talking to me after the fight book came out because he perceived that um uh, that uh that I was willing to overlook the deficiencies of the bald one to enjoy something that was at base root unenjoyable, but I, w- I wasn't there for the bald one. I was there for the magical shit made by, by guys like Fedor and, 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 and Randy Couture at the time, Chuck Liddell, Johnny Boney, Joni latter day. It was real magical stuff there. Durden will not generate anything magical or anybody else who fought to a decision yesterday. I don't want to make, give you a hard time. It's not the fighter's fault. You want to skip a little bit on marketing? You skip on marketing. You want to skip a little bit on this? You skip a little bit of that. You skip It's all about a profit center. Well, good. Glad you're rich. I'm glad you're rich. I'm sure people who want to live a little bit save up their money and buy those overpriced seats or pay you for your pay per view while you sock it away and give the fires. Hey, hey, you know what that is? My pubic hair. Knock yourself out. This I do not give thanks for. Tell you what I do give thanks for. Family. (laughs) You think I was going to say that? Family. Old-fashioned virtues. You know. Uh, Lots of things. Lots of things. Personally, I started out with what I gave thanks for. I have to tell you, super happy about the about being being rescued, rescued from hell at an agency where I could come up with stuff like "Don't cook tonight, get chicken delight." Buy men in Nabisco. These are part of the conversations in a way that you know 
the claim that is made is that actually it's, it's built in. You know why it's built in? Because it is good for business. Flashback to the Oxbow two-week discussion about why murder is not good. Yes, my grandson did recover from COVID. Thanks for asking. I'd like to see him a lot more often than I do, given that he's one mile across the road, but I mean, uh, in actual fact, I'm pretty satisfied with almost every aspect of my life. Yeah, that's me knocking on wood. Because <laughs> I'm superstitious as fuck, but generally I enjoy everything I'm doing. And I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. If the kid just cracked their head on the floor in the bathroom, I'm not so much enjoying that. Get the tears. Yeah, no. Uh, she sounds like she's rolling around the floor after having cracked her head on the floor. Got a small house. So uh, any, anyway, 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 I, I, you know, there are some fights on the horizon that are exciting. You know, there's some fighters worth watching still to keep you around for a little bit longer. The UFC's job, as far as I can see, is don't lose me. How would you manage not to lose me? Right as we get to the tail end of, like, the, you know, you already got Johnny Boney Joni across the barrel. Uh, McNuggets offers me no interest at all. He's not, he's not making me stay. He's not bringing me back. Not at all. Izzy, I care about I care about Izzy. So I'm paying attention to Izzy. So Izzy, Johnny Boni Joni, barreled as he is still. Usman Nganu, barreled as he is. And you notice all the articles coming out. We have friends in newspapers. They might like a story like that about how he was a bad teammate. He didn't tell the Usi about a guy in the team that was good. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. All the negative ops. All the negative ops come. It's just strange timing, isn't it? And now Johnny Boni Joni on the Twitter machine is talking, using Bible quotes, talking about, I send you out, I send you as, as, as a sheep among wolves. Are you fucking kidding me? Where did you think you were going when you went to Vegas? He goes, this could have ended very differently with me, but thank God I'm 60 days sober. Hey, man. Hey, man. Chuck D said it best. The more they want it, the bigger the, the bigger the digger there's something, the, 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 the bigger the more they want a piece of that booty. I don't know how you didn't see that. I don't know how you didn't see it. Yeah, bent over. Oh, boy. He had a chance. He had a chance. It, it, like my motion picture, The Losers. He had one last chance, and he blew it again and again. Ah, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this is, I can't even, at this point now, I got to look at Johnny Boney Joni through horror lenses, you know, because he's barreled. And, and I think largely the bald one is basing what he does on what he'll think we notice. So that Nganu fight, if Nganu gets by gone, that's probably, he can't really, you know, he could make Johnny Boney Joni fight gone, the loser. But that's, if, if, if Nganu beats gone, if Nganu beats uh, gone, Right, and that's still an if in my mind. If if Ngano beats Gone, Johnny Boney Joni's got to take whatever he's given. Do we still want to see Ngano and Jones? I do. 
You know, but uh, Mr. Is, you got to know, you can take the boy out of the mini mart, but you can't take the mini mart out of the boy. Uh, yeah, and Ganu, like a lot of these uh, African fighters, they're showing an incredible educability. His grappling, I mean, his grappling, you could tell he actually said, fuck this, I'm not going back to living in a dumpster. And even that portion of his narrative, his former coach was guy like, look, you don't know about Cameroon. His story is not that unique. A lot of Cameroonians come to France and do the same thing. It's a big deal, you know. It's like, have you ever been to Europe and walked by a car dealership? You want you don't want stop my lust for luxury automobiles? Welcome by car dealerships in Germany and seeing how much they charge Germans for Mercedes Benzes that they use over there as cabs. I know a guy who saw that and was like, fuck this shit. I'm not doing that. He bought it and shipped it to Canada and said, I'm gonna drive it across the border. They caught him. They protect their market share, like De Beers and Oppenheimer. Diamonds are sitting around on the ground, sitting on the ground. You can stumble over them. They create a market. You try to get them out there, they will kill you. They will kill you. My buddy, his car, his Mercedes-Benz has been sitting 10 years, 10 years in Canada. There's, he's not getting it in. If you see the price, they're ridiculously underpriced here or overpriced here. So, you know, uh, in Ghana, you know, everybody crapping on the origin story. That's fine. I think Ngannou's good. And that's a fight that I'd want to see. I think Gan, you know, Steph disagrees with me. I think Gan's boring. Yeah, and I think he could do it. I think he walks around at that weight. I think he walks around at, at, at uh, not, not Johnny Bonigioni, but I don't think it, 205 was comfortable to him to get down to. Not at all. Not at all. Not comfortable for him to get down to. And, you know, realistically, based on where he is with his age and his weight, this is probably a much more natural. Look at his brothers. This is reality. This is reality for him. So, uh, you know, what can you demand? Nothing. You can demand nothing. What can you get? You can get nothing. Like the line from the song by Madness says, we suggest you take what uh, we suggest you take what's given you, even if it doesn't agree with you. That's where we are. This I do not give thanks for. So uh, we are in that situ- we are in that Hamlet situation. If they but blench, uh, 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 if they but blench, we know our course. There are a few fights in twenty twenty one that could be compelling. But they have to be compelling enough to, to, to work this kind of magical thing where we forget about how distasteful this whole restaurant is in total. There's a restaurant in San Francisco called Toulon that I've written about. It's closed down four times by the health department for health violations. And every time they reopen, there's a line around the block. People don't give a shit. That's how good the food is. But you know what's also good at Toulon? The service. Service is really great. So, yeah, you know they got the health food violation, health code violations. Never got sick eating there. Lying around the block. Food is like, that's not the oofsie. Bad service. Bad in every sense of how that word might play out. from the boss watching other events at the event. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks to my co-host, you know, much like I say about fighters, the most important person, the most important person, and this is from talking from a guy who's been doing music since 1980, understand the benefits of a group. It's the reason I'm not a solo performer. From Alexi to Nate to Nash to Steph, uh, these are people who I enjoy working with. Yeah, I give them thanks. Some of, some of my new co-workers I give thanks to. I've enjoyed them. Don't know them well enough to know if I can do that without getting knifed in the back in front of their face, but they all seem like really decent people. You know, I got a certain amount of PTSD from nine years at, at, the, at the horror hole. 
But I met a lot of good people at the horror hole too. People who were undone by uh, executive level chicanery. I got to put together a proposal for the book. I actually got to do it tonight. I promised the guy I would. I need a title for it. <laughs> the house Negro always gets it in the end. I got a lot of mileage out of that. I don't know if I can make that the title of the book. It's kind of mouthy. They want it to be like the big short. I don't know that I can come up with a pithy three-word statement for what happened. If you think of it, text me. In any case, this is version number. Oh, uh, it's great. It's great. I got, I got nothing. I think I touched on it a little bit. But uh, next week we'll go into, maybe we'll go into more. I, I spent very little time about the things I do not give thanks for. And next week we'll do a show, maybe a more positive one because we're right after the holidays. A positive one on the things we do give thanks for. And I'll go into the movie, the documentary. I'll go into my show based on the fight book, turning me into the fight Anthony Bourdain. We'll do all that next week. So this is version a one, a nine, a one. I guess it's getting tougher and tougher. The Eugene Robinson Show. I also have to remember to put this on Patreon so I get paid for the Patreon thing. Is the next show. the next show is still in November, so I, I have some time. Tuesday, it's uh, Kid Nate makes a cameo appearance again. Uh, is it Kid Nate's week or no? It's Nash's week, but I think Nash is on vacation, so maybe we got Kid Nate again on if the shoes fit. Uh, we got uh, the sh- the Substack Sex with Eugene Sex W slash Eugene. And next week's show, if you make it that long, hey, do me a favor, huh? Try not to die between now and then. Uh, no, none of that, because uh, there's no, it's a preview show primarily, and there's no fight coming up. So be with your family. Do some good things. Think about indigenous peoples. Until then, until next week, we'll see you. You know what they say, don't you? You know what they say. Look what you made me do! Ah! The kids cry again. Ah!